Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Your host, Steve Hudgens, is a licensed professional counselor, and your co-host, Julia Canton, is a therapeutic coach. Together, they discuss various topics, providing a different perspective on life and insight that you are not alone. On a non-emergency basis, you may contact them at area code 918-280-8690 or coachsoul.com to provide them with new topics, feedback, or to request an appearance on the show. And now, here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Welcome back to the show. As I said last time, when we leave a cliffhanger, we need to follow through because I don't like a show interrupted and you got to wait for the next week to hear what's going on. Christine, welcome back again. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me back. You know, we've talked a little bit about some about the book, about getting into my two senses of self-love. And we talked about a lot about your manifestations and things of the changes that you went through. And I think there's some key words that we need to hone in that can help people to understand how to love their self and being able to get this dynamic out. One of the things I want to ask is when it comes down to talking to other women, taking from what you've learned, what were you what would you tell women today about how to love yourself? Because it just seems like most women are really down on their self. Um, I think women struggle with that because we, we look at like what society views as how a woman should be. Mm-hmm. And I think we take a look at being the perfect mom, um, being the perfect wife, um, having a nice home, keeping it up. There's a lot of expectations. Um, so much so that you're taking a look again on the outside. You're taking care of everybody. Um, I have a child. I had children with extra needs. I adopted um, two children that were in foster care. And then I had a child on the autism spectrum. And now I want to make sure that before I go any further, I, they have been a blessing. I am blessed beyond measure. And um, with with that comes extra challenges. And you have extra responsibilities. There's extra doctor's appointments. There's extra mm-hmm. visits. There's, um, it's very, it's all encompassing. And I was also working full time and trying to maintain a marriage. So making sure that you're taking care of yourself um, during the, during the parenting is, is crucial and making sure that, you know, if there's anybody that's listening, making sure that our, that our parents and that are busy, making sure you can answer this question. Do I know who I am? Do I know what lights me on fire? What are my passions? Am I pursuing those passions? If the answer is no, then there's some work to do, some inner work to do. You just really opened up Pandora's box. And that's one of the questions I typically ask in therapy session. Because I look at, well, who are you? 
without mm -hmm. assigning outside labels of a wife, a mom, a worker, that, that type mm -hmm. of thing. And you're right. What sets you on fire? And a lot of people don't know, men and women. Mm -hmm. And so I try to start there to help them to try to figure out who they are. Because my philosophy is, how can you do productive therapy if you don't understand who you are or where you are? Mm -hmm. And then from there, I kind of ripple effect out to try to figure out how to put the good in and helping them to identify who they are. And then I try to take the junk out that they're struggling with. So it's a, uh, a parallel type therapy that I try to do to help people. But when you think about your journey and the inspiration of a working with kids, you do seem to get kind of lost within the special needs kids that you were working with. You're working, you're a mom, uh, you're married. Mm -hmm. What would you do to tell women about how to have self-care? Because majority of the women that I'm seeing in therapy they are having difficulty and they feel guilty. So instead of taking from a man's perspective of how to help, what would you say from a woman's perspective, how to help them not feel so guilty? So what I did, first of all, and we talked about setting boundaries. So mm. I set boundaries. I'm like, my children are, they need extra bedtime because if they don't have extra bedtime, I looked it up to see how much they needed. I looked at the full amount how much they would need. Well, they woke up early, they went to bed early. And when they went to bed early, that was my time. Mm. And then I would know that they would need to wake up. Like if, you know, on the weekends, I would figure out when they would typically wake up. I woke up earlier. I gave myself downtime. I would drink my coffee. I would read. I would sit down in my favorite chair and get ready to embrace the day, whatever that might look like, because, you know, it could look, it could look kind of interesting, you know, on some days, I mean, some days we were going to the ball field, you know, all day. Some days it was, you know, being around the house, but making sure that, you know, that the children were engaging properly um, and making sure, you know, cause we didn't have a, I didn't put them on technology. So we had one of those old computers, like those little towers and yeah. I only let them go on for a half an hour. So the three of them had to share their time. And so, because I didn't want technology to be like what they were doing. So I really cut that, cut that out. So that meant that mom was on full duty to make sure that I was, you know, watching them. But at the same time, you say, well, I got to take my time. What mm -hmm. did you do with your husband? Did you lock him up and say, this is my time? <laughs> so, so our, our times were different. Now I'm divorced from, that would be my ex-husband. Okay. So that probably, you know, so I don't know, he probably was still sleeping or whatever, but I had right now, I was like, I just got to work on my time because mm. my time was important. And I really like my time just to be my time because I didn't like to talk in the morning, especially like when I knew it was going to be more hectic. I just needed to ground myself and center myself. When you think about my time, sometimes we can feel guilty. 
because we feel like we got to do, 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 or we take on this big, huge itch of people pleasing. And it's about people pleasing because I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to change things. But to me, part of self-love is recognizing where you are, taking those moments of time out. And you being a school teacher, uh, could you think about uh, the accuracy of this statement is I always believed in looking at with my own kids. If I spent at least 30 minutes with them, it seemed three hours to them. What do you think? Yes, I, I think so. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder, you know, time goes by so fast. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is with the self-care, when we practice self-care, we are giving others the best of ourselves, not the leftovers. So when we spend time with them, we are engaging with them. We are able to talk with them. We're not spent. If I woke up when they woke up, I'd be giving them my leftovers. And I did not want to give them my leftovers and be, you know, you know, short on patience and that kind of thing. Do we all, are we all in short on patience sometimes? Yeah, I wasn't perfect. Um, I tried to be the best parent that I could be. Um, that also included that if I was getting frustrated, I gave myself a timeout. I would tell my children, mom needs a timeout. And I would say, I will be, be back in about five minutes. And I would sit down in like in a chair and they knew that that was mom was taking a break. So that way I could also model to my children that everybody needs breaks. Breaks are okay to take and you're given permission to do that for your, for yourself. Was that difficult in giving yourself that permission that I need to take it? No, because I was being, I was being a responsible adult. Mm. I was not getting frustrated. And when I got a little bit, could feel myself getting frustrated. I wasn't ready to yell. I could feel it like working up and I didn't want to do anything that I would regret later. So I would just take, take a break and just take a few minutes and do my deep breaths. Plus when you have, have children that have extra needs, you want to make sure you are modeling Mm -hmm. that behavior so they can see what what adults do when they get frustrated that they can go take a break in their room they can move away from each other they don't have to engage you used a therapeutic term take some deep breaths did you at any point in time have any kind of interaction with therapy in the past um, so I got to tell you, I love therapy. I love reading therapy books. Um, I wanted to be, so I wanted to be a teacher. Okay. And my second career I wanted to be was a psychologist. The problem was, I think my psychology book was really too boring. And so each time that I would read it, my head would go and I'd fall asleep. <laughs> so I just couldn't get into it. So I'm like, you know what? If I can't get into like reading it, like, and you know, in, in, high, in college, I was like, I don't know if I really want to like go down that, go down that field. But I have my background in special ed. I also have an emotionally handicapped endorsement. I also 
have listened to lots of things on like manifestation and um, mindset. And so I do a lot of my own professional development on my own. That is part of self-love. Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, I look at it as when I do couples therapy, I approach the couple first and then get a couple of sessions underneath. And then I'll do a break it off into one week would be him, one week would be her, and then back together as a couple. Because I believe there should be a balance in doing therapy so that one is not outgrowing the other. And being able to have a nice balance of it's not about communication. You know, I talk to people and they say, what's the problem with relationships breaking? Oh, it's a lack of communication. And then you go see a therapist and what do they typically treat? The symptom, communicate. Let's learn how to communicate. And I'm like, how did you get together in the first place? You communicated. So I'm like, it's not about communication. It's fear-based. Some of the fear from the past is coming to the surface because we're triggering one another. Mm-hmm. And because their triggers are there, we're hurting each other. And so we go for a tip for tap for pain until all of a sudden we're not talking anymore because of fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of the reaction that's going to take place. Mm-hmm, that so, makes sense. Yeah. So it's interesting how you are developing yourself and then all of a sudden here comes misty lee and a bunch of other opportunities coming at you is there more books gonna come from you later on so um i'm writing currently creating harmony in a classroom so to help teachers and to help their students and as you would say, I guess there is a component of self-love because talking about boundaries, talking about how the importance of picking the correct group of circle. Um, and so those types of elements will be in it as well as um, some special ed and looking at inclusion from the onset instead of looking at it once you get your class list and going, oh, this is who I have on it. So building for inclusion um, to begin with. And when I talk about building for inclusion, I mean, purposefully including others. So what being putting, literally putting yourself in their shoes, whether it is sitting down in their spot, if you can't do it, if you can't visualize it, then put yourself physically in that child's mm. place, close your eyes. What do you hear? Take note. And then whatever you hear, if you have a child in the autism spectrum in your classroom, because that's what you're doing, you're building it for the on the onset, whatever sound that you hear, you've got to remember that they're going to be hearing that sound in addition to all the other students talking. So if that sound is here and the children's sound is like up here, they're going to be that sound matches up here mm. at all. And they because they can't decipher between the sounds. So it all becomes like the same meaning. That's why they have to cover their ears. It's too, it's just way too much. Um, and then you have another component. You have the sensory for the your your eyes. What do you see? So I do like a farmhouse style because farmhouse, this, you know, it's like black and gray and 
have, and I have some white tubs. Well, everything kind of blends, you know, it just kind of fades away into the background. And then I put my bold colors because I teach younger children. I put all the bright colors in my, like the stools or on mm -hmm. the floor. So when they're looking around, it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty neat and organized. I don't like things on the counters as much as possible. It's hard sometimes, but, you know, at least having like larger sections just totally cleared away. Um, the other thing is, is that you got to watch for the lights. They flicker. So I found out that my lights have dimmers. So I put them on dimmers. And then if you put on the task lights and it will cut down the flickering. It kind of cancels mm. it out. So if my children are getting headaches, that's the other thing that I do. One child says that they have a headache. I tell our the class that a student has a headache. So we're going to try to turn down the lights and I do check-ins on that student. And the rest of my the rest of the class knows that 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 we take into consideration what other people people need. So, so teaching them mindfulness. Oh, yes. And being respectful and understanding that not everybody has the same needs. So sometimes I have children that need to have water. So not everybody needs water. Sometimes, you know, they need water for health. And so some children are able to have it with them. And, you know, they also know that not everybody, you know, some children need to sit down on a chair, you know, if they hurt their leg, you know, or something like that, they're going to need to sit down on a chair. It doesn't mean everybody else, you know, there's times and places for different, different things, but having compassion for others is extremely important. You're getting into a whole new ball of wax. <laughs> you know, especially with our society, uh, I keep talking about this on our podcast, that although we may have difference of opinion, it doesn't mean that we go a separate ways and write each other off. Mm -hmm. I look at we can take our differences of opinion, build on those things and become better based upon our two opinions, because out of our self-discovery, we find something even better outside of ourselves. So I like what you're sharing. And when it comes down to, I'm trying to pull this all back in together, you know, cause we can go into a lot of rabbit trails mm -hmm. and uh, I can chase them all day long <laughs> and, and great topics and everything. But I do want to circle back around of here you are of telling yourself how to be mindful taking these uh, deep breaths, when it comes down to all these tasks that a woman has to do, I try to tell men in therapy that they need to step it up too. That just because you're tired, she's tired. And if you want more time in the bedroom, then get in and help her cook dinner, mm -hmm. be able to be mindful about more than just yourself. So I heard you say that divorce, are you currently divorced now? So I remarried. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going on nine years. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. here are, are things that are coming out for you. You know, again, my two cents of self-love is coming out. And here you are into an, an, a blended family. What would you tell women going into from a single parent that you have to take time for you and now you're remarried. What would you say to women of, again, 
how do I have a self sense of love and not feel that I'm having to be robbed from it from another person? So my children, my, I only had one, well, two children in the house at that time. So and they were also older. Um, so with self, self love and I, I guess for me, that divorce, it, it knocked me down. It mm-hmm. knocked me down. Hard. Um, and I ended up rebuilding it back up. And I think just making sure that you know who you are and keeping that at the forefront, making sure that you know what lights you on fire. So at the time of the divorce, I didn't know. I didn't know who I was <laughs> as a person. I had no idea. So I had a lot of work to do. And so I just kept on leveling it up, leveling it up, leveling it up. So that's what I've been doing each year and every single day, trying to make sure that I am better than the day before. So it's real easy for you to say, hey, this is where I've been. This is what I've done. Let's flush that out a little bit for our listeners to try to have a better understanding when it comes down for women who feel like they feel defeated, they feel mm-hmm. like they let their own self down. I mean, you've been there. Yeah. What it was it that helped you to kick in that motivation that I'm not going to do this again to myself? So for me, um, there's been things in, in the life even before that, like, um, the diagnosis of of my daughter. So, or, um, there's been some head injuries. There's been, you know, different things. My stepfather passed away there. So there's been hard knocks. So what I would do is I would allow myself just a little bit of time to, to grieve or to get my mind set again. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be to grieve, but just to wrap my brain around it. And what I realized that is that every single second, every single day that I cannot get myself in gear is less time that I have time to research, Mm. less time that I have to be proactive, less time that I can live. Because when you are not being there for yourself, you're not living your full, full life. So I think it's showing up for ourselves first and foremost. Did you is the most important part. During that time frame, did you feel guilty? Oh yeah. Cause okay, so first of all, I filed for the divorce, a divorce that I did not believe. I don't believe in divorce. I believe in working through things. So I filed the divorce. Um Got an official divorce in 19 years and 11 months, right? Like a month ago, right before the 20th anniversary. Mm. So, um, yeah, I felt guilty because I felt like um, it was going against my my principles. My principle was, is death, you know, until death do you part. Um, and the funny thing is, is I still feel that way. You know, I got remarried. Um, but that's still something that, um, you know, that I, that I believe in sickness and in health. And so that part was hard because I let myself down and I let my children down in a way, but you know, there's sometimes there's, 
things that are out of your control. But even if you you say you let yourself down, and I know sometimes women feel trapped. And so they feel like, okay, I need to be rescued or I don't trust anymore. I can't. What helped you to pull out? Was it your faith or was there somebody that came along to help mentor you? What was it that, that gets you to the spot that you're in now? So great question. So what ended up happening, um, I've noticed in my life, and we didn't even talk about religion. So I've noticed right. in my life whenever, because um, I moved around a lot, we didn't have the same churches. But whenever I was not that active in church or not that present, that um, my life was always out of kilter. And so whenever I put God at the center of my life, then things always fell into place. So the very one of the very first things that to kick myself to high gear was to find a better church for my family, because the church that I was at before, if, if there was an outburst, then everybody turned around. I didn't go to church. So I needed a church that was accepting mm -hmm. and a, a loving atmosphere. So I ended up um, getting rebaptized shortly after my divorce. And I think that really, uh, that was, um, I think a very pivotal, very powerful um, time period to be able to get baptized as an adult because you don't remember when you're an infant. So um, yeah, so that that's how that happened. You know, it's it's interesting because I can identify with some of this because I grew up in a very legalistic type faith of a home where there wasn't much grace. And as I got older and things have did a lot of pivotal changes for me, and in 2009, like you, I was baptized again. And things started changing. Yeah. And uh, just because one church is a certain way doesn't mean they're all this way. And I learned how to read and study and even have a degree in, in Bible and philosophy. It's helped me and the dynamics. Well, those who have known me in some of the, of the podcasts that I have talked about, that God has been astronomical of helping things in my life to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. um, my near-death experience last year, now I'm alive. And it's caused this uh, other domino effects that I'm living life and having fun. And it's just amazing what we can go through, but it's that transitional shift of mm -hmm. learning how to love yourself. Yes. And so, Christine, you know, I really appreciate our time. And there's so much rabbits we can go chase <laughs> that we could probably make rabbit stew out of it. But for our <laughs> listeners, I don't want to get in trouble with, uh, you know, the people who love animals. <laughs> but I really enjoyed your aspect. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your part of the reasons of what has helped you to have self-love. And I'm hoping some women can find this uh, beneficial for them. Until next time. Have a great day and be blessed. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. 
We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind. Thank you.